Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. This is your first time with us or you've missed the past few weeks. We've been looking at this incredible story of an ordinary guy. And I can't say that enough. He was an ordinary guy. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. I mean, I don't know that he had a job of any kind in the church. He probably volunteered, probably, like in the children's ministry. I just made that up. I have no earthly idea. But what I do know, well, he was an ordinary guy from the Old Testament, and his name is Nehemiah. And the cliff note version is that God gave Nehemiah a heavy burden. And with this heavy burden came a huge mission. And then with this mission came an ugly opposition. That was good right there, wasn't it? Did you see how I did all that? Obviously, y'all weren't that impressed. I thought it was pretty good. Anyway, we talked about the opposition last week. So Nehemiah realized that he had been created for a purpose. Is there anything more important in life? That to know that you're important, that you matter. Did you know that? People have walked into this place today maybe feeling like that you don't matter, that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough. Maybe you've looked at your life and you've thought, how could God possibly use anybody like me? Maybe you don't think you have a special talent or a special ability. What I want you to know is that you have absolutely been created for a purpose. Aren't you excited? I want you to know that God knew exactly what He was doing when He made you. He knew exactly what He was doing when He made you, and that when He gave you these certain gifts and passions and talents and abilities, and then He, then he gives you certain desires, there's likes and dislikes, all of that makes up this sweet little package that makes you uniquely you. And God gave you all that He gave you for a purpose. A purpose that he intends to use to make a difference in the world that you live. Come on now. That's good. That's good. So here's my prayer for you. Here's what my prayer has been for you over the last few weeks. Is that the Spirit of God will speak to you. And then when he speaks to you, he'll stir you. You know what I'm talking about? He'll stir you. That you won't just be able to sit there. You'll be a little bit uneasy, you know. And so you'll be moving around your seat a little bit, that he'll stir you, that he'll, he'll stir you, that he will shake you, that he'll move you with a burden. To the point where you'll finally just throw up your hands and you'll say, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. I can't sit back and, and do nothing. And there will be that thing that you'll see. Maybe it's a people group. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe, maybe it's the other kid at school. Maybe it's the person that you work with. But you will see something in somebody else. Maybe it's neglect. Maybe it's abuse. And you'll see that person, and your heart will go out for that person. And you'll think to yourself, somebody has to step in and do something. And I'm going to be that person. That's when a burden gets so heavy, it's so heavy that you don't think about your talent, your ability, your gifts. You don't think about what you don't have the ability to do. Your heart will be so heavy that you'll know you have to do something. And when you step up to the mission, you're going to have to learn to deal with the distractions. Last week we talked about the opposition. 
one of the things that the opposition will always do, he will always strategize to distract you from your mission. Let me bring you up to speed about Nehemiah in case you missed the last three weeks. So I've already said Nehemiah was just an ordinary Jewish man who was a cupbearer to the uh, king of Persia. He was just an ordinary man who heard about the plight of his people who were in a horrible situation because they had been in slavery to the Babylonians. Well, things changed because Persia came in and took names and kicked spiritual rear end. I mean that in the most Christian way. And then they were in charge, and, and Persia, th- this Persian king said, you know what, There's, you, you folks are, are without a home. You need to go back to your homeland. And literally hundreds of thousands of Jews migrated back home. But things didn't go well. They were without a leadership. There was leadership void. And when there's a leadership void, there's, there's a purpose void. And so Nehemiah fasts and he prays for months. And then one day the Persian king looks at him and says, Dude, why are you so sad? And he said, Well, I'm glad you asked. He said, Well, my people, my, my, my people, these, these Jewish people, they're in a mess. And Jerusalem is in a mess. And, and if these were your people, you would... You would look sad too. I don't want to look sad. I know that looking sad in front of you, the king, could be very dangerous, but I, I just can't help it. The burden is so great. And so the king says, well, you know, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And he says, well, I want you to give me a little time off, <laughs> like an extended period of time off. I want to be able to go back to Jerusalem, and I want to rebuild, I want to rebuild the city. And the king says, okay. And so Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem with the king's blessing. And it's more than just his blessing. Go in peace, my brother. It's, it's, it's more than that kind of thing. It's, he has papers to protect him. He has provision. He has everything that he needs. And he starts rebuilding the walls and the gates of the city. And the gates of the city is like 10. Y'all remember that from last week? Okay, I'm going to bring this up again. It's not in my notes, but I'm just, I just thought it was fun. Y'all remember? There was like the horse gate. Remember the horse gate? Remember Watergate? <laughs> there was Watergate, and then there was the what? Man, you people are awesome. You never thought you'd just be able to say dung on a Sunday morning, did you? You just didn't think that would be possible. And it's in the Bible, which is why I like the Bible so much anyway. So it was all these gates, and, and he started to build, but the progress is, was slow to start. So what do, we ha- what do we know happens as soon as things start to get better? That when the work goes down, the opposition always heats up. So the moment you start creating movement on behalf of God, and I just, you just got to understand that this is on behalf of God. And, and I can say this, that it's not about you. It's, it's that God wants to use you, but God doesn't need you. You know that, right? Like if everything we believe about God is true, that He is all that in a bag of chips, and He is, that He is the creator of the heavens and the earth, He's creator of the universe, that everything that you see has been created by God, then when you look up at the mountains, you go, whoa, because I do this a lot. My daddy did that. So Karen and I were were on the beach, you know, not too many weeks ago, and we were laying there on the beach, and I looked at the beach, and I went, wow, like my daddy did all this. Like, he just spoke it, and it was. Here's what I want you to understand. God doesn't need you, but he wants you, and that's more valuable, isn't it? To know it's not that you're needed. What are you going to bring to God? What are you going to do for God that he can't do for himself and do it better? Really? I mean, he's God. But he doesn't need you, but he, he wants you. So he will, 
give you this, this burden and it'll be for somebody else. And when that happens, your spiritual enemy is going to show up and do everything he can to distract the progress. In fact, I would say that the enemy, as wise as he is, is that if he cannot destroy you, then what he will seek to do is distract you. He'll do whatever he can to take your eyes off of your mission, off of your burden, off of your call, whatever that is, to fill your time with something other than the purpose that you've been created for. And that's exactly what happened in this story. The wall started to go up, and the enemies of Nehemiah showed up. Well, Sambalat, Tobiah, and the new guy that we're going to look at this week, a guy named Geshem. They showed up and they tried to distract Nehemiah from doing the work. Let's jump into Nehemiah chapter 6. When the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not left a gap not, there wasn't a gap left in it. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors in the gates. So what are these guys going to do? Geshem and Sambalat and Tobiah. Well, Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. They say, come. I, and I wonder, here's the thing that happens to me sometimes. When, I, when I'm looking at Scripture, I wonder how it's said. Not just that it's said. Do you ever do that? Because I think it's really important to do that. Because I think how it's said probably has as much impact as be, what's being said. So they say, come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. So I wonder like how they said it. You better come meet with us. Was it, was it that? Was it like a threat? Or was it more like, oh, oh brother, we know you've been busy. Like you've been, you've been rebuilding the wall. and Like you're awesome. Like you're awesome. You're an awesome leader. You're like, you're the man. And so there's things that we just don't know. And maybe you can just take a little bit of time and if you could come meet with us. See, I think that's probably more in line with how it happened. In other words, come meet with us. Let us take your mind off of your calling. And honestly, if I had a dime for every time that Satan tried to distract me over the years, I could have paid this debt off on this building all by myself. I can't tell you the number of times when, when most of the time for me it would be self-doubt. It would be, I'm not a leader. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I don't, I don't have the gifts. I don't have the ability. I don't have the makeup. How in the world can somebody like me possibly do what I'm doing? I, I'm not a good enough speaker. People that, that do what I do are much more gifted. They have this ability. I don't have any of that. It was always to take my mind off of my call. So tip number one for how to shut the door on distractions is this. Are you ready? Those of you that are note takers, you want to write this down? Never meet with your enemies in a place called Oh No. <laughs> Man, you, that was awesome, wasn't it? Y'all didn't see that coming? Like you had to see that. You said, man, I know him. He's crazy. He's going to come up with something on that. Yeah. I'm just saying. So... How are we distracted today? I think that what I hear sometimes today is, is this thought, this mentality that says, you know what, they just don't know me. And if, if I could meet with them 
And it's like they can, they can like get to know me, you know? I mean, they hate me now, but they can just get to know me. They would see I'm a really nice guy with a really big vision, and, and I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to see it as an opportunity to convert my critics. And I've heard people literally say, maybe this will be an opportunity for me to, to expand my influence. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm going to go in, I'm going to, I'm going to have my vision statement, my mission statement. I'm going to sit down with these people. They're going to look deep into my eyes. They're going to see my heart. They're going to see that I'm good. They're going to see that my intentions are good. They're going to buy in, and I will expand my influence. Or maybe, maybe I've heard this mentioned a lot over the last few years. It's an opportunity for me to build my brand. If I hear that one more time, I'm just here to build my brand drives me nuts when I hear that. So I just, I just want people to see me. I want them to see my heart. The problem is what we often think is an opportunity. Oftentimes, God calls a distraction. You've got to be careful who you give your time to. I would argue that perhaps there's never been an easier time to be distracted in the history of the world than today. Have you noticed that it's uh, super, super easy to become great at doing things that really just don't matter? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I think it was last Sunday. Last Sunday, was that Mother's Day? Did I just make this up? It was Mother's Day. Y'all can nod. I know, I'm old. I forget stuff. So anyway, it was Mother's Day, we had the family over at the house. It was awesome. And so my oldest daughter, Emily, she, put, she said, have y'all seen... I don't know what she called it, the, the, the water bottle game. And I said, what? So she pulls up on TikTok. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. Some of y'all seen it, hadn't you? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So they take this bottle, this water bottle, put it on a string, tie the string to a fan. We got way too much time on our hands. I want to know who came up with this stupid thing. So anyway, you cut the fan on. And so then, you know, you stand in a circle. Y'all with me? And so, and then, of course, the bottle is going around, and so you're able to get the timing. And then they put a blindfold on you. And things go wrong. And so the bottle, you know, pops somebody upside the head. They go, oh, and everybody laughs. And all these people, and then they, they different versions of the game, and I thought, there's never been a time in history that's so much easier to be distracted over mindless things that don't matter. <laughs> now, I'm all for having fun. You probably can't tell that just by <laughs> being with me on a Sunday. But I'm just saying it's easy sometimes for us to be great at things that don't matter. It's never been easier for us to be passionate about wasting our time. So I thought about a, I thought about a list. I thought, about where do I start? So where do I start with a list of things that can distract us today? Well, work. Work can distract us. I'm here at church. It's, it's Sunday. This is the 11 o'clock crowd. You've heard this before. Blah, 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 blah. Right? You know what I'm going to say? That we can get so busy earning a living that we forget to make a life. Right? And that we can get so busy making money and earning money and trying to build the next house or buy the next car or have better clothes that we forget that we have a family. And in the meantime, we lose our families. We lose our families to time, precious time, that we don't have to give them because we're too busy at work. Well, that's easy. You've heard all that before, right? 
And then what about play? I mean, we're, we're really good at our play. <laughs> I mean, we're really good at our play. In fact, you can, again, just go on Facebook, you just do the internet, and there's, there's all kinds of games, and people become serious over the dumbest things. They really do. And, and they become professional at things that you would think, how in the world, why is that even a thing? And somebody has become a professional at it. And then you know where I'm going, right? You know what's coming next is, is tech. Ah. Of course, I'm going to bash Facebook. Boo, Facebook, right? <laughs> I had this thought, and I, I really don't know, and so I, I really did, every time I, I wrote this, I don't know, weeks ago, I really did smile, and I thought, I don't know if I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I really did. But Jonathan confirmed it in the first service, so I know I'm right. I know, I know I'm right. Did you know that on your phone, you can, there's actually, you can check screen time. Did, did you, y'all know that? Oh, uh, I thought I was going to tell you something new. How many of you do that? So, like, you know, here's been the thing that's been interesting to me, and, and I've said it a time or two to different people, you know, in my life, and I've heard other times that people have said it to their, their people that they love. They've said, you know what, you spend all of your time. You, every time I look at you, you got your phone out. You know, Karen and I can go to restaurants. We notice, well, we don't go that often, but when we do, We'll look around and we'll notice the number of people, the number of families, literally mom, dad, they've got their phones, the kids got their phones. There's no interaction whatsoever. But if you were to look at those people and say, how much time, you spend way too much time on Facebook. You spend way too much time on TikTok. You spend way too much time on your social media. If you were to question them or challenge them, you know what they'll do? They'll deny it, won't they? No, I don't. I do not. Next time I'm going to say, I want to see your screen time. Because I can do it, I think. You swipe. I'm looking at you, Jonathan. You don't swipe. You don't. Okay. Check with Jonathan. Check with Jonathan on how to do that. Here's my point. Next time you do that, just ask yourself this question. What if you spent the time that you have spent on, on, your, on your phone, on your device, what if you had put that time, invested that time into your passion, into your burden? Wow, it got quiet. We could change the world. The devil, if he can't destroy you, he'll distract you. Let's read on. I, I love this next sentence. But they were scheming to harm me. And, and here's what I love is that, man, Nehemiah was on it. Man, this ain't his first rodeo. In other words, he's learned something from a few days of being in leadership and being in a high position of leadership. He's, he's learned that these guys are just going to do everything they can to distract me. So here's what he says. He says, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project, and I, I, can't, I can't stop what I'm doing. I can't come down off this wall. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times. Like, they didn't give up. Four times. They sent me the same message, like, duh. Maybe that's what he had to be thinking. Hello. How dumb are you people? You asked me the first time, I said, what? Yeah, y'all a little slow with that. Second time, he said, <laughs> yeah. Four times, he said, no.
So basically, Nehemiah said, you know what, you can have a meeting. And he says, no, I'm not going to talk to you about my philosophy of ministry. I'm here to do a great work. One of the most strategic things that you can learn to do is develop the skill, the ability to say, it's one, it's, one, it's one of the most important words that you have, the ability to say no. So I'm gonna, I want to teach you how to say no. You ready? Now, y'all got to participate. It's no good if y'all don't participate. I'm going to feel really, really bad. So I want y'all to participate. Here's, so here's, I'm going to teach you how to say no. So here's what you get. Tilt your head back. Tilt it back. Raise your eyebrows. And then say, no. no. That's actually not how you do it. <laughs> but it felt good, didn't it? Here's the thing. <clears throat> you don't have to be angry. You don't have to. You don't have to be controlling. You don't have to try to speak with authority. You can actually smile and, and say, no. And don't say, don't say maybe. Do you know what maybe means? Chris, come take him out. You just <laughs> maybe actually means maybe. In other words, when you say maybe to somebody, what you're telling them is, you know what? Let me let me check my calendar. Let me check my schedule. Let, let me see if I got anything going on. In other words, maybe means maybe there's a possibility that I can sometime in the future. Now, if you're a parent and your child is just bugging you over and over and over, and you say maybe, why do you say maybe? You're hoping they'll forget. And that's not going to happen. Kids have a mind like an elephant, do they not? I mean, they, their memory is, is zoned in. But you're thinking, oh, they'll forget. You know, let a, five minutes pass, ten minutes pass, they'll forget. So they come back and they say, are we going to? And you can't say maybe. You have to be able to say no. And then don't, don't say or feel like you have to say no because. One of the hardest lessons for me to learn is I felt like that I constantly had to give people a reason why I couldn't do something. So people will say, can you possibly? And I would say, well, no, because. And I, I was stupid. I, th I thought I would tell people that, and I thought that the people that I was telling that, I thought that they loved me and they cared about me. Come to find out, they don't care anything about you. They don't care anything about me. They really don't. I would give somebody a reason, and they would give me five reasons why that should not be a reason. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, listen, if you help me, then I'll help you do that. And we know that's a lie. Right? So just say no. Man, this helped me. It set me free. I learned a valuable lesson over the years. You cannot be available to everyone all the time. You can't do it. It's impossible. And if you're always available to everyone, eventually you'll have nothing to give anyone. Now, that's good right there. Let me say that one more time. If you're always available to everyone, eventually you'll have nothing to give anyone. And I've been there. I've been there when I was so burned out and so worn out 
that I literally had nothing to give out anymore. I was, I was done. I was toast. And you don't say no because you don't care. Actually, you say no because you do care. I'm, I'm blessed. You, you guys are awesome. Honestly, I, I, don't, I really can't tell you that enough. And so there, there are times after the service, I'm usually, you know, I don't get out there much. I mean, there's people that, that will get me down here and they want to talk and they want to share. And, and so literally, I, there, I've had times, I can't tell you the number of times when somebody will look at me and say, listen, I, I, know, I know you're busy. And I can look at those people and say, actually, I'm not. See, I have, I have scheduled my life so I have, I have rested well so that right now I can be fully with you. I've had people set up meetings with me, and in that meeting they'd say the very same thing. They'd say, listen, I know, know you've got to go. They'll look at their watch. I know, you're, I know you're in a hurry. I know you're a busy man. And I'm able to look at those people and say, no, I'm, I'm rested. I'm good. I'm good. And so right now, I want you to know that I'm fully invested in you, and I'm fully invested in you because I've learned to say no to some other things, and I've learned how to say no. I've learned how to not become distracted so that when I'm with you, I can be fully with you. I want to know that with my kids, that when I look at my kids, when I spend time with my girls, that I can look at my girls and to say, no, nothing else is more important to me right now than being with you. When I look at Karen and, and when we're together and we enjoy being together, is that I'm not distracted. I can look at her and say, nothing, nothing thrills me more than time well spent with you. And I'm fully invested. I'm in. Just because you could do something doesn't mean that you should do something. Four different times his enemies asked him for a meeting, and four different times he gave the exact same answer. He said, no. Then, verse 5, then the fifth time, you're thinking, really? These people are dumb as a sack of hair. I mean, you know, really? A fifth time? They're relentless. Sambalat sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written... It's been reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true. He must have been like the Internet. Like if, Ge if it's on the Internet and the Internet said it's true, it must be true, right? If that's what you read. So here's the thing. It's like, so Geshem, Geshem said it. It must be the truth. So you know what you're fixing to hear is a lie, right? That's what you're, you're fixing to hear. Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore are building the wall. That's why you're building the wall. Word's out. We got you. You're not just here to, for your people. You're not just trying to rebuild the wall. You're not just trying to rebuild the gates. You're not just trying to rebuild the city. You're here to take over. In fact, moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. There already is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come and let us meet together. Sounds like a threat. Sounds like a threat. I, 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 this has been in my notes literally for weeks. I didn't know if I'd share it. I'm going to share it anyway. I've got to be honest. Why am I going to share it? Because I disagree. I disagree with the statement. There's part of it that I agree with and part of it I disagree with. Sit, if you could figure out which part that I agree with and the part I disagree with. First, it is simply, the first part of the statement is this. Rumors are carried by haters. Absolutely. 
The next part. Rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools. Now, if you ever spread a rumor, don't 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 you do that. Don't you don't y'all look like, oh, I've never spread a rumor. No, that must have been that nine o'clock crowd. No, none of us. You know what? I've been guilty of it too. I, I've I've been guilty of, of spreading rumors too. And then this last part, this is what's gonna hurt your feelings. I just didn't want to say this. So, rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and believed by idiots. And I thought I'd be an idiot. My sponsor said to me on more one time, he said, Do you know, like, do you know that that's true? No. Then why are you wasting your energy on something that you don't know to be true? So then he says, Nehemiah says this. He said, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. So I looked this up in the Hebrew. I looked this up in the Hebrew, and here's, here's what it says. You've you got to get into the Hebrew. Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's what it means. The distractions never stop. It doesn't matter how successful you are. The distractions will never stop. You know why? Because your burden will never stop. Your call will never be worn out. You'll never have it complete. Because your burden is never for you. It's for somebody else. And there'll always be a people group, a person that needs you. So how does he respond? Boy, if you've been with us the last three weeks, you should really, you should know the answer to this. You shouldn't even have to look at the Bible at all. How does he respond? He prayed. Is this not the prayingest man you've ever seen in your life? Uh, really, no kidding. Is he not, he's not the prayingest guy you've ever seen in your life. Chapter 1 he was praying. Chapter 2 he was praying. Chapter 3 he was praying. Every, every time you look at this man, every time he, he finds a bump in the road, every time he, he has a, a little hitch in his giddy-up, every time something stops for him, he stops to pray. I don't, I don't know who this is going to speak to today. Maybe it's a mom with toddlers. And, and, and maybe you're overwhelmed and you feel like your call just doesn't matter anymore. Maybe it's a mom and a dad and you know what, maybe you've got teenagers and you think, you know what, we've given this all that we have and, and we've tried everything that we know and we tried to raise them up right and we tried to teach them right and we tried to take them to church and we tried to pray with them and we tried to love them but you know what, they're just, everything's going sideways and things are going crazy and I just don't know if we're equipped, I don't know if we have the ability, I, I think we've lost it and you know what, somebody, maybe you're just on the verge of just giving up and quitting. My word to you this morning is embrace the call and don't come down off the wall. I've said this every week, it's been weird, I'm not exactly sure why, but maybe you've been trying to pay off debt and it feels like that you're climbing up Mount Everest in your shorts, barefooted on a really, really cold day. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When it seems like that the mountain and the conditions are, are, are unbearable and you've sacrificed and you've said that we'll, we'll do without and you feel like you've just done without for so long and then, and then something, you know, broke down, a car repair, uh, something happened in the house, and it was the HVAC unit went out, there, there was something, and you felt like, you know what, we're doing everything we can to try to get out of debt, because to be out of debt is to be free. My word to you this morning is, 
Embrace the call and don't come down off the wall. Maybe you're a growth group leader and you're barely holding it together because you've got some people who barely show up. Who rarely, if ever, showed up, show up prepared. Maybe you're ready to come down off the wall and give up. Some of you, maybe in the past, you led a growth group. Maybe you're not leading a growth group now. You know what? You came down off the wall. Embrace your call. Stay on the wall. What has God called you to? Nehemiah refused to be distracted. And in verse 15, here's what it said. It's a beautiful verse. So the wall was completed on the 25th day. And that basically is October. I can't say the word. I'm not going to try. But it's basically October in 52 days. And here's what I love about this story. Here's what I love about this story is, is there no, there's no supernatural miracle from heaven. There's no talking donkey. There's no fire from heaven. There's no, there's no burning bush. There's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no turning water into wine. None of that is there. Now, is there the supernatural provision of God? Absolutely, there's that. But then when you look at the story, what you see is, is opposition, and you see distraction, and what you see with Nehemiah was a dedication and a burden that, that, uh, that he couldn't let go of and that he couldn't get over, and he just stuck to his guns, and he stayed on the wall, and he continued the work. So don't give up. He was just an ordinary man whose heart was broken by the plight of his people and he refused to be distracted by his call. And then verse 16. Oh, my gosh. Verse 16 is awesome. When all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations, you see what it says? They were what? And they lost their what? Now, wait a minute now. This is the same group of people who a few chapters before said these weak, feeble Jews, the word feeble, remember that word in the Hebrew? Literally means dead. These dead Jews, they've been dead for, for almost a hundred years. They've done nothing. They were a powerhouse as a people. They had a super God. Their God is dead. They're dead. And now the same group of people are going, wow. Because they realize that this work had been done with the help of our God. So I just have to ask you this question. Have you been distracted? Maybe you've quit and given up all because the enemy has been taking your attention away from your call. So my challenge to you this morning as a follower of Jesus is to embrace your call and stay on the wall. Maybe you're here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus. It's interesting to me how God will begin to speak and draw us he comes looking for us. That's, that's the Bible. We say, I'm looking for God. We're seekers. No, you're not. God comes looking for you. He's searching you out. He's looking for you. And when God begins to do that, Satan will do everything he can to get your eyes off of God and onto anything else. And honestly, let's just be honest. I mean, the, the church has been an easy target over the years. Preachers that, uh, preachers that have fallen from grace, churches that have falling apart false prophets and I would say to you this morning if you're not a follower of Jesus all those things have been nothing but a distraction and the heart of God is to love you to draw you to himself 
I just want you to know he's crazy about you. He's absolutely crazy about you. And he proved it. God proved how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. And his son proved his love by saying, you know what? Somebody has to pay the penalty for the sins of these people. Because we can't be in relationship. This sin is what separates us. And so Jesus said, I'll be willing to shed my blood to pay the price for all of their sin. Just so that I can be in a relationship with them. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He willingly gave his life on the cross, shed his blood, paid the penalty for all of our sin. And he didn't stay in the tomb, but he was raised on the third day. It's an incredible story, isn't it? And maybe this morning, here you are face to face with the truth. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, then what I would tell you is your time is now. Today is your day of salvation. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be. Then maybe you would pray a prayer. Something like this. Maybe you just tell him, you know, wow, God, you gone through an awful lot of trouble an awful lot of hurt and pain just to have a relationship with me and the reason that we can't have a relationship it's not even your fault it's my fault and Jesus your willingness to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin to make our relationship possible I mean really it's wow and I, I know you're alive I can feel you I can feel your presence right now and so sweet Jesus to the best of my ability I'm just asking you to forgive me of my sin and I just want to surrender my life to you I, I want to follow you for the rest of my life Thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience with me. Your mercy, your grace. You're awesome.